We are brought to you by Joshua Lafon with Simply Vegas Real Estate, a realtor here to help educate current and future Las Vegas locals on selling and investing in real estate. You're probably asking yourself, educate. Yes, there's a surprising amount of adults that when it comes to real estate, don't know the right questions to ask, don't know where to start, and think they need a lot of cash to buy a house in Nevada, which simply isn't true. So Josh has decided to make it his responsibility to teach his clients what they need to know and equally important, what they need to ask to help ensure making their home ownership dreams a true reality. So make sure you call or text Joshua LaFon today at 702-813-0533. This has been another paid advertisement from Joshua LaFon with Simply Vegas Real Estate. Make sure you give him a call, 702-813-0533. must be kicking yourself for not walking out when you could. Be a judgment. But don't you worry, son. It will all be over soon. Anthony, give me a boy's name that starts with the letter H. Jose. Bobby, it's me, your daddy, Roberto. Occasionally, you may hear it pronounced as Joel. It depends. It's called Xquando! Look at me now. How far we go back? Elementary? Jump rope? High and go see? Pity pad? Red light, green light? Red light, green light? Hello? You play to win the game. That's right, you're tuning to Straight Bet Sports live here on the Gorilla Cross Radio Network. I am your host, Jose V. We are coming to you live from downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. We greatly appreciate you guys joining us. I know you, you're looking at the background tonight. You're wondering, wait a minute, Jose, you got a different background. It's not, it's not what I'm used to seeing tonight, but it's all good, though, man. We're doing a little bit different stuff tonight here. We're having a good time on the show. Quan's letting me jump behind the big board tonight. I'm learning. He's teaching me. He's, he's putting me under his wing, trying to teach me a little more. We're going to do here on Gorilla Cross, but we got fun times, good things coming up. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you joining us tonight, as you do every single Wednesday night. We appreciate our sponsors, Josh LaFon with Simply Vegas Real Estate, Eric Navarro of Line Em Up by Eric. Make sure you check each and every one of them out soon. You're looking to buy a home, check up, hit up Josh LaFon. You need a haircut. You need to get clean. You need to get fresh. Make sure you hit up Eric Navarro, our personal barber. We greatly appreciate him. But let me go ahead and welcome in my compadre. My host, my co-host of this evening and every single evening here on Gorilla Cross Radio on Straight Bet Sports Wednesday nights, Rob G. What's, What's good? good? How's the hat situation? You got the hat situation? Man, it looks like I'm wearing. It looks like I look like Fernando Rodney with it. Look, it's, <laughs> the, the it looks a little hat. tilted. I don't know what's going on with it, but oh, we got to check the hat. See what you got underneath. It's good. No, 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 none it's of that good. stuff. No, no, no. Nothing, no. We, we got Quan in the background, just, you know, letting Rob know to make, make sure he got everything set up. No, everything's good. No, I can hear you. I can see you. Everything's perfect. What's going on? Hey, man, a lot of stuff going on in sports. Obviously, Summer League is done. You know, that's over with already. MLB coming down to the wire. Raiders got some COVID news. We're going to talk with our guest about that here shortly. We got a great guest for you guys tonight as well. He is none other than Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's going to be joining us here shortly on Straight Bet Sports. We're talking some Raiders. He's been at training camp, Rob. He's been covering it. He's been there. He knows what's going on. So we're going to get the ins and outs to see what he's seen. What, what can we expect with this team? 
We only got two games left here in the preseason, Rob. First one is out the door. There's only three. So we'll see what what, what um, he has to say there. Boxing. Pacquiao's fighting this weekend. He was supposed to fight Earl Spence. That fight's not going to happen. He's now fighting Jordanius Ugas. If that's how you say the last name. I don't know if I got the last name right. We know Sam's a boxing guy. We're going to talk to him about that as well. And the Las Vegas Aces are back in action. Rob, they won their first two games from the Olympic break. They take the first place lead in all of the league now. So we'll see how that goes. Rob's a little entertained on his phone, getting everything ready. If you guys are watching tonight, do us a favor. We are live on all the Gorilla Cross platforms, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, GorillaCross.com and the Gorilla Cross app. If you haven't downloaded the app, do so today. It's on all platforms. And what I mean by that, Android, if you have an Android phone, go ahead and download it on the Google Play Store. If you have an iPhone, Apple App Store, go ahead and download it as well. But with that being said, Rob, any opening words for our guest or any opening words for everyone that's watching tonight? I know what I'm going to say like I do every single Wednesday night. Press that like button, press that comment button, press that share button and let everyone know what they're watching tonight. So what you got to say before we get started? Tonight? You put me on the spot like that. Put me on the spot like that. You got to say something. We got to get you on there. Sorry, you don't have your, you don't have your, you don't have your, you don't have your drink of choice tonight. I don't have my drink, so you that's why. You have your beverage of uh, hydration. I'm not going to be a chatterbox You're not a like chatterbox I typically tonight. am. Okay. That's it? No, Nothing no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. No. Quan's asking if I want something. I don't want anything. Quan's asking. But you know what, man? Let's go ahead and jump right into it, though. Let's not have him waiting any longer here. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest of tonight. Not joining us in the studio, but he's going to join us here live on the video line. He is none other than Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Sam, my man, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How's it going out there, brother? What's up, Jose? What's up, Rob? Appreciate you guys having me. Looks like we lost your video feed there, my man. Can you see us? Uh, I can see you guys. Or I was able to. Can you guys see me? Uh, nah, we can't see you at the current moment. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you perfectly. Yeah, we could definitely hear you. Let's see. Uh, it, says, it says my camera's active. Were y'all able to see me before? Yeah, I was able to see you earlier, definitely. Oh, wow. Well, I'm here. Let's see if we can get, let's see, let's see, hold on, let's see. If we can get. Yeah, it's still not showing you, but Sam, we're gonna try to get you on right now. Give me one second. Yep, no worries. You said close this one out, Quan? All right, give me one second, Sam. We're gonna close it out. We're gonna get you back in there real quick and get you on the show. We do apologize for that. Little technical difficulties here, but give us one moment, man. We'll get you on real quick. So we're gonna end that one real quick here. Good luck on the big board tonight, Jose. That's hey, just it. He's got the training mean? wheels on. It's all good. No worries. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it popping right now. Watch. Sam's already hitting me up. All right. There we go. Let's see. <laughs> We're still trying to get you going, but you know what, Sam? Yeah, man, no worries. We'll we'll get this figured out real quick. We're gonna go ahead and start the show, and we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get Sam started up here shortly. We can't get the screen to share, but Rob, are you excited about the baseball season ending? We're talking about the Dodgers. We're talking Giants. Before we get Sam on, let's go ahead and conversate real quick. Well, there we go. Hey, hey, hey there we go. <laughs> there we go. Quanzo to the rescue. But there he is, none other than Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hey, first night I'm producing the show, man. Something's gonna happen, right? It's part of it. It's it's all part of the script. It's meant to happen, but hey, you're, Sam, hey, we made it work. You're learning. You're doing your thing behind the boards, adding another tool to your tool bag. I'm thankful to be here and to be a part of it. Hey, Sam, we greatly appreciate you, my man. So I, I know you've been busy, man. You, you you've been hitting the pavement, doing what you do all the time. 
since I met you out here four years ago, man, you've only grown. Your stock has gotten bigger. And, and your work speaks for itself. You were out there at Raiders training camp. I know you've been covering it. I heard you on ESPN the other day talking about what you're seeing. Give us a little bit about what you've seen out there and what can Raider fans expect. Obviously, it's preseason. It's only training camp. You got a lot of the scrubs, but what are some of the scrubs that we might be seeing that are names that are probably going to be getting called up here soon? Well, Jose, I think the biggest thing that the Raiders did this offseason, right, we knew last year is a top 10 offensive team in the league. Derek Carr with a career season. Darren Waller is one of the best skill position players in the league at any position. I think he's a positionless football player, if there's such a thing, lines up all over the field. He was tremendous. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was big time. Obviously, he's gone to New England now, but was a, was a big time player. And Josh Jacobs had another thousand yard season. Offense was not the problem for this team. Defense was the issue. This was a top 10 offense and a bottom three defense in the league. There was no kind of pressure to speak of uh, on the quarterback, no type of pass rush. And as a result, the secondary really struggled as well. I thought the linebacking core was solid, but a lot of issues up front and a lot of issues on that back end. So what do the Raiders go out and do during free agency, during the draft? They invest in defense, 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 especially on the defensive front, especially in the secondary, adding depth, bringing in a Casey Hayward, drafting a Trevon Merrick, uh, adding a unique Nagakwe, drafting a Malcolm Koontz, bringing in a Solomon Thomas, bringing, bringing in guys to compete uh, and, and to, to provide depth and competition in, in training camp. And, and frankly, that's what we've seen so far. The defense is a lot better. Now, does that mean it's going to be a top five unit in the league? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I think the pieces are in place for this defense to go from a bottom three unit to maybe a, a league average unit uh, so far. I think one of the guys – you mentioned one of the one of the unknown names that, that, that's really been impressive. I think Nate Hobbs, rookie cornerback out of Illinois, comes off the edge in the preseason game Saturday, records a sack of Geno Smith. He's been working out in that nickel cornerback position, that slot corner. Uh, I think he has a chance to get on the field right away. He's been one of the more impressive, uh, more impressive kind of unknown players, uh, if you will. In terms of the, the the more regulars, Max Crosby looks fantastic on that defensive line. He's in tremendous shape. He's been competing, really setting the tone as a leader. You talk about uh, a bona fide pass rusher, Unique Nagakwe, at least eight sacks in all five of his NFL seasons. Gives the Raiders a, a real disruptor, a real playmaker on the defensive front that they haven't necessarily have. They haven't necessarily had. So I think what all these additions have done is they've provided depth. They've made training camp a little bit more intense, the competition in camp more intense. And I think you're going to see a better product on the field come this fall once the Raiders make cuts and weed out who they're going to weed out and figure out exactly who's going to be in this, on this in this lineup. But there's a lot of options to choose from. There's a lot of high-level competition in camp. And, uh, and, and I think you're going to see a much better defense this year. I really do. While the offense sustains its high-level play, uh, I think the one question mark on the offensive side of the ball is the offensive line. Uh, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, all veterans, all high-level productive veterans, uh, move on uh, to different teams via trades. Uh, but the young right tackle, Alex, uh, Alex Leatherwood, been very impressive out of Alabama. I think he's going to surprise some folks. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he was a reach where he was drafted, but he's more than held his own. I thought you think you saw him on that opening drive the other day where the Raiders go 14 plays, more than 70 yards. Uh, he, he did his thing in his first live reps in the NFL. And then Andre James, the young center that the Raiders have been developing out of UCLA in his third year in the league, ready to step forward and anchor that offensive line. And then Richie Incognito, the veteran coming back. So that group I expect to be fine. I don't I don't see much drop off of any. And if the defense can improve and, and be an average level defense, you know, 16, 17, 18, I think you're looking at a team that can compete for a playoff berth in the AFC. We are talking Las Vegas Raiders live here on Gorilla Cross Radio, Straight Bet Sports with Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. 
So, Sam, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the defense because that's that's one of the things that I did want to ask you about and I want to br bring up with you. Obviously, you said it. We know what the offense can bring. We know what Derek Carr can bring, even though he has a lot of haters and a lot of people say that he's not the guy, he's not a great quarterback, he shouldn't be there. Some people are screaming for Mariota, which I think is a joke. Carr has done great. Look at his numbers. He's gotten better year by year. Just because you're not getting the win totals, I get that. But he can't play defense. Now, you, again, you brought up the defense. Max Crosby, which to me is a great story because he was drafted after cleaning Farrell. Farrell was the guy that was supposed to be the guy. And then now you also mentioned that they brought in Ngakwe. How much more pressure does this put on Clean and Farrell to actually step up this season? Because let's be real, he hasn't panned out to that first round high draft pick that everyone thought he was going to be when the Raiders took him. Yeah, and that's and that's a, you know that's totally a fair point. He's a top, you're a top five pick. You're expected to be a real, real, real difference maker on that defense. They drafted him uh, to be a bona fide pass rusher, to be a double digit sack kind of guy, and, and he hasn't been that so far in his career. There's no question about that. Now, where he does excel, where he has excelled, is on when when he's working on the inside, stopping the run. I, I think he was a very good rated out as a very good run defender last year. The sack totals aren't what they were, and he hasn't played necessarily like a top five pick. But he's still been an effective football player. I, I think the draft status uh, is un, it's an unfortunate situation for him. He wasn't supposed to go that high, and the Raiders put him in a tough spot by taking him that high. Um, now, I, I don't expect him to necessarily become that double-digit sack guy that that top five uh, pick status suggests. What I do expect is that he's going to be part of a, a good a good rotation of defensive linemen. Now, he's been working a lot of the time with the number twos, but I don't think that necessarily means that much given how much depth this defensive line has now, given what the plan is, what Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator, is planning on doing. I think what you're going to see is a lot more rotation, a lot more of an effort to try and keep guys fresh. The Raiders didn't have enough depth to do that last year. But now you have five, six, seven solid defensive linemen, eight defensive linemen. You have the veteran Gerald McCoy in here now that can maybe work with Cleveland Fair a little bit, former pro bowler, all pro. We know what he's accomplished at this stage of his career little bit more of a situational player, but still is already making an impact with his presence, with his leadership and whatnot. So, yeah, I think there's there's definitely some pressure on Cleveland Farrell. You don't ever want to be necessarily working with the twos at any time, especially if you're a top five pick. But just because he's in that situation doesn't mean he can't make an impact, whether that's stopping a run, whether that's being a part of a rotation, or maybe he's improved as a pass rusher and we'll see that next year or this season rather. But but you're right. It's, it's a fair point. It's a fair criticism. Uh, he, he's been productive, but not productive the way that the Raiders certainly expected he would be when he's a top five pick out of Clemson. So, Sam, you mentioned Bradley as well. New guy coming in. Obviously, we know his pedigree. We know what he's done in the NFL. How have you seen some of these players adapting to his style of coaching, his scheme or whatever it may be so far out of training camp? Yeah, I think I think the players, you know, you speaking with the players, they really seem to like Gus Bradley. I think there's a real effort on his part to develop personal relationships. Yeah, it's football. Your job is football. Football is the business. But but you talk to you talk to guys on the defense, and they 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 they've repeatedly saying his praise that hey he he cares about us as people. He's invested in us as people. And when you do that, when you're able to establish those kind of relationships, I think that builds trust. And of course, in a team sport like football, like we know how important trust is. Um, in terms of schematics on the field, I think the biggest thing he does is is he simplifies things. I mean, he plays a cover three scheme. No team in the NFL ran more cover three than the Chargers last year. That's where Gus Bradley was at. Uh, and that really simplifies responsibilities. you got Trayvon Merrick playing center field, deep third, the rookie out of TCU. You have your two corners. Looks like Casey Hayward and Trayvon Mullen, although Damon Arnett's still, I think, in the mix for one of those starting spots, although it looks like Hayward at this point. Uh, but I wouldn't write off Damon Arnett yet. 
And then that allows Jonathan Abram, uh, the hard-hitting third-year safety out of Mississippi State, to be closer to the line of scrimmage where he's a little bit more comfortable, where he can be instinctual and do his thing near the line of scrimmage, wreak havoc in the run game, and make plays and fly all over the field. So from a schematic standpoint, uh, he, you know what he's going to provide. And then I think another key piece, Jose, uh, about Gus Bradley is look at where he's been in the past. Seattle, Jacksonville as a head coach, and then the Chargers. All three stops, he worked with and developed some young defensive stars. He was part of the development of the Legion of Boom. Yeah. He helped develop the defense in Jacksonville that, that propelled that team to the AFC Championship uh, in 2017 against the New England Patriots. Now, he was gone, but a lot of those young players he had drafted and helped develop. And then with the Chargers, that's been a top 10, 12 defense with, with young players like Joey Bosa, Derwin James that have improved as well. So I think all things considered, he was the right hire because he's going to simplify the scheme. He's going to put guys in their position, the best position for them to be successful. And him and his assistant coaches are going to make a point of emphasis to develop the young players on this Raiders defense. Because as we know, last year it was a very, very young defense and a little bit more experience now. I don't think youth is quite the same excuse but still a lot of guys that are going to be expected to contribute in their second, third year, you know, 23, 24, 25, still room for development at that stage of their career. Once again, you are tuning to Straight Bet Sports here live on the Gorilla Cross Radio Network. We are joined by Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal. We're talking Las Vegas Raiders. He's been out there. He's been covering. He's been hanging out at camp, checking everything out that's going on. So we talked about the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we know what they have on the offensive side of the ball. We want to see the defense get better. But the one thing that I think it's a question mark, and this is just from what I've seen, I, I don't I don't feel that the Raiders have a solidified number one receiver. I know Hunter Renfro's nice. You got a couple other pieces with some other guys, but would you is it safe to say that the Raiders don't really have that number one guy just yet? Obviously, we know what Darren Waller is. He's a tight end, but he's possibly the best receiver that they have on that team. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, Darren Waller is going to be the number one option in pretty much every situation. And when he's not He's going to draw a demand double coverage because that's what he does at six, five, you know, two sixty, speed runs every route in the tree and can line up all over the field. I think the Raiders really tapped into kind of his unique set of skills towards the end of last season. Not that he wasn't productive before, but that's when you started seeing him line up in, in different positions in the slot out wide, sometimes in the backfield, motioning, putting him in situations where he can use his elite combination of size, strength and skill to get open and make plays. So he's going to be the number one option. But to your point, in terms of a receiver, that's definitely a question mark. Um, Nelson Aguilar filled that role last year, almost 900 yards, was one of the best deep threats in the league. You, you look at yards per catch, he was up there. He's obviously moved on to New England, and that creates a void. I think you talk about Hunter Renfro, productive receiver, good player, but he's more of a, an option in the slot, somebody that you look to on third downs, maybe in the red zone to make plays. I don't. I, I, he might have a. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has. He's more productive this year, but he's not necessarily in the mold of you know an 800, 900 thousand yard guy that's going to have a hundred catches. I think where where you could possibly see some growth is with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, the two rookies, right? That yeah. that definitely underwhelmed during the rookie seasons last year. I mean, Henry Ruggs, roughly four hundred yards, uh, a couple touchdowns, uh, and was was effective stretching the field and, and taking the top off the defense but didn't have the production that, again, like Cleveland Farrell, a high first-round pick you expect to have. He came into camp a little bigger, a little more physical, and is a more refined route runner. Uh, you, you talk about getting into that 4-2 speed. Part of that is knowing how to set up your cuts, set up your routes, and, and creating separation so you can really utilize that speed. I think we've seen some more of that during training camp. Now, does that mean he's ready to be a 1,200-yard guy? I'm not sure, but we've seen the flashes of the production, we've seen the flashes of why the Raiders took him uh, in the top 15. And then Brian Edwards has all the physical tools. 
It was just a matter of staying healthy for him last year. He, he gets banged up in the New England game, never is really able to find his groove. But he's had a big-time training camp. Uh, we see at 6'3", 220, his ability to run different routes, his ability to, to, to box out smaller defensive backs and go up and get the football in jump ball kind of situations. I think where you're really going to see him thrive this year is in the red zone, and that, of course, is an area where the Raiders have struggled uh, quite a bit the last couple of years. So there's an opportunity. Yes, there's not a solidified star receiver on this team outside of Darren Waller, who, again, is technically a tight end but lines up everywhere. <laughs> uh, but can Henry Ruggs make that jump? Can Brian Edwards make that jump? Is one of those two guys going to emerge as, as the second target behind Darren Waller? Is it going to be somebody like John Brown, former 1,000-yard receiver in Buffalo? Is it going to be somebody like Willie Sneed, former 900-yard receiver in New Orleans? So there's options, but you're right. Nobody has established themselves yet, and I think we're going to find out, we're going to have a better idea um, within the first month or so of the season who Derek Carr likes to go to outside of Waller. All those guys, I think, have had pretty strong camps, but nobody quite yet has separated himself as that top receiving option. So we obviously know that Derek Carr is the guy. He's going to start the season. He ain't going nowhere. We know he's going to be the starter. So right now the competition is for that number two spot. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are fans of Mariota, right? Fans yeah. in general that love Mariota, that have been yelling, screaming for his name since last season. We know how the Raiders started. We know how they ended the season. We saw how Peterman looked in his first game, even though it's only preseason. But what do you hear in a camp? Could Peterman possibly be the guy to take that number two spot? Or is there still yet more to be seen from him? And are they still high on Mariota? Well, I think Mariota still, I mean, he's still getting a lion's share of the, the reps of the number twos. And it's been an up and down camp for him. Uh, you know, one minute he'll drop a dime, you know, in between two defenders to a receiver uh, streaking over the middle. Another minute he'll he'll throw an interception or he'll throw an errant pass. So um, it's, that's kind of the story of Mark, Marcus Mariota's career. We The, the, the talent is obvious uh, with his size, with his speed, with his ability to, to make plays outside of the pocket and run with the football. You see why he was the number two overall pick. It's just developing that consistency as a passer. So I think he's still in line to be the number two quarterback. Uh, he restructured his deal, obviously, not making the money he once was. But they brought him in in 2020 as the highest-paid backup quarterback in the NFL and kind of like as a reclamation project because of that talent. We haven't quite seen him put it all together yet, but I think there's been whispers and even in some press conferences about a possible Marcus Mariota package to tap into that speed that we saw him utilize in the, the Chargers game last year in December when he stepped in for Derek Carr. So um, I wouldn't make too much of, of how Nathan Peterman played. Mariota was a little bit banged up. Yes, you, you would like to see your third-string quarterback play well the way Peterman did on Saturday. But Mariota still provides the kind of upside with his because of his legs and his mobility that Peterman doesn't provide, and I still expect him to be the number two quarterback when the season starts. So I got two more things for you when it comes to Raiders, and then we'll move on. Is John Gruden in the hot seat hotter than Mike Mayock. And the reason I say this, and I said it when Mike Mayock got hired, I didn't think he should have been hired. And, and if it doesn't work out, it's easy for John Gruden to basically wash his hands and say, hey, this guy's never been in an actual NFL office. The guy's always, you know, in a studio. He's an analyst. So it's, it, it's easier to have an escape goat. Now, if they have the type of season that they had last year and previous seasons where they really haven't succeeded since Mike Mayock has been there, and not only that, we talk betting on the show here. Their win total is at eight right now. That's what the books have it at eight. Granted, there's an extra NFL game now this season. So with that being said, if they don't hit that eight mark and get to at least nine wins or higher, are, are, are we starting to see some talk about Mayock possibly heading out the door or, or Gruden or who's safer, do you think? 
Yeah, well, I think Gruden's the guy, right, who got the big bag and the big long-term deal and is the most powerful person, not just in the organization, but one of the most powerful people in the NFL where we, he has that kind of security and, and is allowed to make decisions. And, um, you know, some of those have worked out for him. He was able to, to, to mine um, Darren Waller, who was kind of an afterthought in Baltimore, and help him become one of the best, uh, the best players in the NFL, regardless of position. And some of his draft picks and some of his free agent signings have been swings and misses, right? We we need to be we need to be honest about that. That is totally fair. Uh, he has a 19 and 29 record in his last in his last three years, his three years since returning with the Raiders. That's not exactly what you signed up for. At the same time, they've improved every year. We've seen signs of improvement. That offense is a top 10 unit in the league, and there's reason to believe that there might be some progress this year with the way they invested in that defense. That said. Uh, I think it's like, like you said, eight, eight, nine, right? If it's, if it's eight, nine, it's not going to, that's not making the playoffs in the AFC. Nope. It's time now. They've been close the last two years through new November. You've been right there in the mix for a playoff berth. And then the wheels have fallen off towards the end of the season. I don't think that, that John Gruden can afford for that to happen again. Uh, and if it does, I think you're right. That seat is going to get a little hot. I think, well, Mike Mayock, obviously a, a very, very important person in the organization has a huge role. There's no question about that, but the, the things that the Raiders do, the, the product that you see on the field, John Gruden is mostly responsible for that. And if there isn't more signs of improvement, if we don't see nine or ten wins, then, yeah, I think it's fair to wonder if that seat's going to get a little warm because you didn't bring him in there to miss the playoffs. You brought him in here to turn the organization around, to get it back to where it was in the glory days, or at least when he was coaching here the first time when you were in the playoffs competing against Tom Brady trying to make a run of the AFC championship. Franchise hasn't been there in a few years. It's on him to get this thing turned around. We've seen progress, maybe not at the rate that some fans expect, and, and we'll come. We'll find out this year. Uh, obviously, again, the defense was a problem, but the offense has improved to John Gruden's credit, and there seems to be a real rapport with him and Derek Carr. Uh, if they can win nine or ten games, I think I think everything's going to be fine. But if they underachieve, and you know, we see a six and eleven, five and twelve kind of season, and you know, let's be honest, this is the Raiders. You never know, right? This has been one of the most up and down franchises in quite some time. There has been a lot of improvement, and again, I personally expect more improvement this year, but in the off chance that that doesn't happen, yeah, I think it's totally fair to wonder if that seat's going to get warm because it, it probably is. So, Sam, obviously the big topic a couple days ago, Raiders came out. A lot of people are upset. Some people are okay with it, but the Raiders have announced that they will require all attendees at home, basically all home games, to show proof of COVID-19 vac vaccination through the Clears Free Mobile app and Health Pass feature allowing fans to attend the games without wearing a mask. Now, this policy is going to start September 13th with their Monday night game against the Ravens. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know you were talking about it on air on another show the other day, and you yep. had a lot to say about this in general. So, me, I'm, I'm okay with it because I understand, and I think you mentioned this too, the circus that it was last year. You know, not to use those words, but all the stuff that they had, the violations, you know, the, the gatherings, the parties, whatever it was that they did where they weren't wearing masks and this and this happened, right? What are your thoughts on what the Raiders did and do you think it's a good move going forward and are we going to see a lot more teams do this? Yeah, Jose, to your point, I think, again, this was part part of this was in response to how sloppy the Raiders were with the, with the protocols and with everything last year. Fines, uh, multiple fines, uh, making the headlines for all the wrong reasons, not wearing masks when masks were required at, at certain public events and so on and so forth. Having the offensive line miss an entire week of practice. You, you, that's that's not what anybody wanted. That's not ideal. It's not what the Raiders wanted. And it was uh, a bad look for the organization for, for you know, and again, didn't just happen once. This was a few times. So with that in mind, I think what you're seeing is Mark Davis being really proactive and understanding, look, 
we want to be at the forefront of this this year, not at the back of not not slow to react like they were last year. And like you said, I th- I'm fine with it too. I think it's a good move. Uh, at the end of the day, 65,000 people are still going to be at that stadium. You know, the people that that don't want to get that are choosing not to get vaccinated and, and can't go, they're not just going to sit on those tickets. They're going to sell those tickets, and those vaccinated people are going to go, and it's going to be a better environment not having to wear masks for the people that are in the building and this is business at the end of the day the Raiders are in the business of yes putting together the best football team they could that they possibly can uh, and trying to win as many games as possible but providing a quality entertainment experience for those that go to the game that's first and foremost this is a business they're trying to make money they're trying to make sure that their fans have a tremendous time and want to keep coming back and by mandating vaccines and and that proof of vaccination so, so fans don't have to wear masks that's the step they're trying to take um, I respect it. I commend it. I completely understand it. And I would imagine that teams around the league are going to start to follow suit because, you know, we all wear masks. We're, we're, we're playing our part. Uh, I know you and I are playing our part in doing the best that we can to, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Um, but the, the, the Raiders want to ensure that that's, that continues. And in, in, in doing that and implementing this policy, uh, they are doing that. And, uh, and again, I think it's going to be a better fan experience overall for the fans that do go. And for the fans that elect to sell their tickets and don't want to get vaccinated, that's on them. That's their choice. Uh, they can defer their payments to, to next year and bring the season tickets back. They can sell them on the resale market because you know, Jose, you know there's a lot of money, money. to be made on the resale market. So <laughs> Rob either knows. way, there's going to be 65,000 strong in that stadium. And, uh, and the Raiders want to be an example of going in the right direction this year, not going backwards like they did last year. Rob, this doesn't affect you, right? You're vaccinated. Uh, it doesn't affect me, but it, I, I have seen since the since it got announced um, uh, that they, they're going to require this, that the ticket prices have dropped, though. So, really? yeah, they have dropped about, a, I'd say about maybe 100, 100 bucks, a little bit more than that. Um, and I think that's, a lot. well, more tickets obviously got listed because now you have people that are not going to get vaccinated right. or not choosing to or whatever the situation may be. Uh, so now they have to flip those tickets because uh, if you, right, yeah. yeah, if you bought your tickets uh, through StubHub or through a third party, you know, third party uh, company, uh, they don't give you that option for a refund. Only the Raiders are giving you that refund. And then for the season ticket holders on that side of the fence is uh, they're offering refunds, like Sam said, and there's, there's three different options. You can defer the payments, you can turn them in, you can resell them, whatever you decide to do. But if, if you choose, if you just decide to do a, f- a couple of those, uh, you you have to have all nine games remaining. Got so it. if you've sold one pair of your tickets, they're not giving you the option to basically defer your payments or anything like that. Oh, so okay. yeah, it, it, that, at least that's what that's the way I understood it is that it, you know if you have all nine games you have remaining, to have them all with you, you have to yeah. have yeah you have to be you have to own all nine games remaining uh, to take advantage of a couple of the options that they're giving you. So uh, most of us have sold a pair of tickets, at least one of them. So it's gonna it's a little unique where we're kind of just you know we're, we are where we are. Yeah. So we have to continue on. Um, yeah, we're still gonna make a profit. Don't get me wrong, but it is gonna be most. It, it can go two ways, right? It can just take a, you know, it can just be a, a small, you know, small sign of panic and, and, the, and the ticket prices drop. But then again, you know, uh, more and more people are getting vaccinated. It is a little late. I mean, it, I, honestly, I think it is a little late because the, the first game is the, what, the 13th, right? Mm. And that doesn't even give, give someone time to actually go get fully vaccinated unless they've maybe had their first shot already, right? Because typically it's two shots yeah. uh, or, two, you know, two, two visits. So uh, I wish they would have announced it just a little bit earlier, but it is what it is. I think they're making the right move. Uh, and then I think, like Sam said, I think a lot of, a lot of teams are going to follow, follow suit. And then Sam, did I hear this correctly as well? If 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 you're not vaccinated but you show up to the stadium, they're gonna have a basically a, a shop set up where you can get 
your first vaccination yes. and they'll let you in as long as you wear a mask? Yeah, they are going to be offering uh, COVID-19 vaccinations on site. And then those who um, so there's options. have one shot yeah. That's what go I heard. with masks. So you, if, as so long as they're, they're, go ahead, go ahead, Sam. So that they're, what they're doing is they're encouraging vaccinations by putting this policy in place. They want more people vaccinated. It's, it's a bigger, yeah, obviously it's about creating a great experience for fans, but I think it's bigger than that. Picture, it's yeah. wanting more people to get vaccinated in general so we can stop wearing masks and, and get back to a more normal life that we got to experience for, you know, two or three weeks in, in, in June before the numbers started going up and before the Delta variant started really taking control. Uh, is you have to have at least one shot of the two Correct. shots? Is that have, how that works? Yeah, you don't have to be fully yep. vaccinated. Fully vaccinated for fans that want to come in and not wear a mask. Okay, but if you're partially, correct. then you can wear a mask. Correct. And they're having on site. Go to the games. Yes, correct. So they're giving you options. They're not just saying, "Hey, if you don't want to do this, and or if you don't have it, you don't have an opportunity." I know there's some people that haven't taken it, not because they don't want to, they just haven't. But they will if there was an opportunity that presented themselves. So if you're a sports fan, especially a Raider fan, and you got season tickets, or you're just trying to buy tickets to go to the game. It's not a bad option, especially if you're looking into it. I get it. I'm not going to get political. The vaccine is not for everyone. It's up to you. It's your choice. It's your body. I get that. But at the end of the day, everything's turning into vaccination. The reason I took the vaccine was because of this. I thought they're going to start letting people in and doing this and doing that. A day after I took my vaccination, the Miami Heat started talking about fully vaccinated fans can come back into the arena. This was when the season was still going on. So it started happening and it's continued to happen. So if people want to get vaccinated, do it. It is what it is. If you don't, can't force you. But since we're on the topic of vaccination and Raiders. I want to see those fans, though, right? Yeah. That are, that are, the, the fans that are going to be on site drinking, tailgating, like. and yeah. then they're going to sit in a chair and try to, you know, or possibly before they walk in, get one shot vaccinated. I mean, because, I mean, people respond differently to the vaccination, you know, right. to the vaccine. So, it hits everybody I mean, different. it knocked me down twice. And so, I mean. And you was, also had COVID. Though. Yeah. And it, but it was the second day that it really knocked me down. And, and I mean, some people possibly, you know, it's going to knock them down as soon as they, it's just, it's going to. Couple years in you in a shot. <laughs> that knocked me out for you know I was I was fatigued for a yeah, good twenty four hours but absolutely. I bounced back and and you know it was business as usual so yep. yeah my second shot like got you said me. people are gonna do what they people are gonna do what they're gonna do but the Raiders this is a private business at the end of the day and they are going to do what's best for business and what is best for their fans and this is a decision they made as a result and for people that are saying that it that it violates your your uh, your rights or whatever it is it doesn't the Raiders are a business Sam just said it. They're just creating a, a rule that they want. That's like when you go to a restaurant, if it says no shoes, no shirt, whatever, no service, it's the same thing. They're a privately owned business. They could do what they want as long as it's been, it's legal, obviously. You know what I mean? But So my question to you, Sam, too, I wanted to bring it up to you. Mark Davis, for all of us that know, he is also the owner of the Las Vegas Aces, not just mm -hmm. the owner of the Raiders. Have you heard anything or can you see this possibly turning into something like that? Because remember, they got three remaining home games, right? and then possible playoffs and championship if they get to that. Do you see this being something that maybe Mark Davis will implement for the Aces for the rest of the season for fans, or you don't think something like that will happen until possibly next season, depending on how COVID continues? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that in time they may consider. Now, what was interesting, right, Jose, the first couple months of the season, fans' attendance was limited to season ticket holders only. Yep. Now, just today – they announced that there are going to be single game packages or single game tickets for the so final three. Games. Now general public general admission, not necessarily general admission, but single game tickets are available. So you, I think you're going to see an uptick in fans, more fans in the building. Um, as of right now, what I was told is that the plan is no vaccines necessary, 
but all fans must wear masks the entire game unless eating or drinking. That is where they are at right now. But depending on what happens, like you said, Mark Davis does own the team. Depending on what kind of numbers they get at the game, how these single-game tickets affect attendance, maybe we see a policy change. As of right now, though, no plans, not yet. Um, we're going to have to see how things shake out. There's a couple weeks uh, before another home game, so there's time to make that decision. Uh, the, Raider, uh, the, the Aces go on the road for three games next week uh, and then return home to play a home game in two weeks. Uh, so there's plenty of time. Uh, for them to evaluate things to see how things go. But as of right now, what I was told is the plan is to stay with masks, no vaccine necessary uh, as of right now, unless uh, eating or drinking, you can take your mask off. Once again, here's Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal joining us here on Straight Bet Sports on Gorilla Cross Radio Network. We're coming to you live from downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, as we do every single Wednesday night. We greatly appreciate you guys for joining us. Go ahead and drop some comments in here. If you guys got comments for us, you can definitely let us know. Facebook, Twitter. Not only that, you can give us a call, whether it's when Sam's on or after. I'm not sure if Sam wants to take any calls, but we're always open to do a lot of different things here on the show. But, Sam, let's talk aces, my man. That's where I yeah. met you. That's where you and I became friends and everything moved on to now. They're back, man. The Olympics are over. They're hot. Asia Wilson, one of five females in the WNBA, I believe, to reach 2,000 points or something like that before a certain game. You have... Kelsey Plum, which in a lot of eyes, and now I agree, is playing like the sixth woman of the year right now. She is just lights out hot. And I think that the move of her going to the bench and no longer being a starter has helped her a lot more. And not only that, I think the three-on-three -three competition and her winning that gold in Tokyo was just even more of a boost because it's a different style of play, right? Not, not the full court that we're used to, not a full type of game. So this kind of helps her coming off the bench here with the aces now. They're the best team in the league now record-wise. They took that over, right? We saw what they did last year in the bubble with the pandemic. It's a real deal now. We got fans. We got travel. We got all that. You, you just mentioned it. They're going on the road a couple weeks before they even come back home. Is this a team that can finally sustain it, hold on, and you believe can win the championship this year? I've said it since they got here. I believe that they will be the first pro team to bring us a championship, nothing against the Golden Knights. Do you think this could be that season? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And, and I think it's just part of the process, the natural process, right? This was a young basketball team in 2018 when they first got here. You added this campaign in 2019, so you're more talented, but you're still young. They have a really good regular season and then lose to a more experienced, veteran-laden team, Washington Mystics team, uh, in the postseason in a very, very competitive series. Then, you know, year three, right? Now you're established. You've tasted the playoffs. You make that run to the finals. Feel what... You feel what it's like to lose and to play championship-level basketball, play against a championship-level team. They retool the team this year. Liz Cambage comes back. Kelsey Plum comes back. You add Raquana Williams, and then the young players continue to grow. Now, Asia Wilson's not a rookie anymore. She's in her prime. She's entering her prime at the age of 25. She is an MVP, an Olympic gold medalist, and one of the best players, if not the best player in the world. Liz Cambage, in her prime, big-time two-way impact. Uh, dominant on the block, and one of the best defensive players in the league. Her, with her size, the way they've been utilizing her in drop coverage, containing drives on pick and rolls, challenging shots at the rim, she's been tremendous. We know what De'Erica Hamby does. You talk about Kelsey Blum. Uh, I'm with you. I think her move to the bench has been fantastic for her because she gets to have the ball in her hands more. She gets to run the second unit and play as the point guard, play the style of play that she's more comfortable with and was accustomed to at the University of Washington. And she's talked about it a ton. She's not going to be that same player. That's not what the Aces need her to be. But when they do need buckets or when they do put the ball in her hands, 
she can go to that. She has the bag. She has the skill set. She has the ability to go out there and get you 21 points in a half like she did yesterday. Jackie Young has continued her improvement as one of the better two-way players in the league, an excellent wing defender that can also give you 12 a game, up to you know sometimes 20, 25 points if she's feeling it. Raquana Williams has been a tremendous addition with her three-point shooting and her defense, and playing elite perimeter defense, often uh, tasked with guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player, and has done a tremendous job against some of the very best scorers in the WNBA, limiting them and making them work. Uh, they have, to me, I think what makes them unique, Jose, this year is with all the pieces they have in place, with everybody coming back, they can play different styles of basketball. I haven't even mentioned Chelsea Gray yet. I, I was just I, about to ask I, you about her. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned Chelsea Gray. We're talking about probably, arguably the best point guard in the league. Um, who makes all the world of difference with her shot creation, with her ability to make decisions and pick and rolls, with her experience, her savvy coming over from L.A., her three-level scoring, her passing, her playmaking. And that goes back to the different styles they can play. You can play your two bigs, Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson, together and feed the post and wear teams out physically. You can downsize, take one of them off the floor, bring in De'Erica Hamby, who, is, who can play on the perimeter, who can shoot, who can face up and attack and drive, and who can also overpower smaller defenders when she's in favorable matchups. You can run pick and rolls with Chelsea Gray and split the, spread the floor with shooting and let her go to work and make decisions coming off of ball screens. They can get up and down in transition. You can unleash Kelsey Plum, have her have, put her on the ball, and let her do her thing in transition. They have shooting this year. They have size. They have versatility. They have experience. They're, all the pieces are in place, and there's no question about that, and they understand the expectations and what the goal is. They've had a target on their back all year, and they've responded with the best record in the league. They have the number one offensive rating. Uh, they've been the number one defensive rating, rated team for most of the year. That's down to number two right now, and they still have the best net rating. Uh, this looks like a championship team. I mean, the pieces are in place. The experience is in place. Now it's time to get it done. I think they've used the regular season to figure out how to incorporate these new pieces, figure out how to play together, what works, what doesn't. And, uh, and they're 17 and six when things haven't, you know, they haven't completely clicked yet. I think they're getting closer. I think we've seen signs that that fourth quarter the other night or on, on Sunday, uh, a Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, rather, where they're able to come back from 14 down, set a franchise record for biggest fourth quarter comeback. You saw a click on both ends. I thought you saw a click on both ends in the second half yesterday where they're getting stops, getting in, out, out in transition. And then in the half court, they're feeding Liz Cambage. They're feeding Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plummer doing what they do. So it's it, they're getting closer to reaching i think they're to maximizing their potential and that's what's scary for the rest of the WNBA is that they are the best team in the league statistically record wise and they're still figuring things out on the fly so sam i i mentioned this to a female friend of mine and she said that i'm absolutely crazy and now when i said this i, I didn't mean any disrespect to asia wilson or anybody else on the team but look at it this way I, and i say this because this is my opinion right everybody has their opinions i believe that chelsea gray has to be the MVP of the team this season. And what I mean by that, they brought her in here to play alongside Angel McCautry. Look what happened with Angel McCautry. And look at the, the, the season that Chelsea Gray is having here with the Aces. Let's be real. If it wasn't for Chelsea being here with the injury that happened to Angel, we possibly wouldn't be seeing the same style of play that we've seen from this team in general, possibly not even the record that they have right now. Would you disagree with me? No, I hear what you're saying completely. She she is she has done for the Aces kind of what Chris Paul did for the, the Phoenix Suns, right? Now, again, the Aces had a much better foundation. The Aces were already a, a close to a championship caliber team, having reached the WNBA Finals last year. But she she takes them to another level. 
She brings, she makes Asia Wilson better. She makes Liz Cambage better. She makes Kelsey Plum better. She makes Jack Young better. Her decision-making, her poise at the point, her ability to create shots for, for players in different situations. She has a, a great feel of when to push and transition, when to slow things down, when to go, when to dump the ball down in the post, when to run pick and rolls, or, or when to get off the ball, when, when to let Kelsey Plum do her thing or Jackie Young do her thing. I think she just, she, there's a poise, a presence, a moxie, and a savvy to her that helps unlock the rest of this roster and make everybody else better. And and you can feel it. You can feel it late in games. You can feel it early in games. You, you hear the way her teammates talk about her. That Her nickname is the point god because she's just going to make the proper decisions. She doesn't ever get rattled because she's already been in, in championship situations with the Los Angeles Sparks. And, of course, now she has a gold medal to her name, too, playing on Team USA alongside Asia Wilson. So, yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. Now, that still, obviously, you have Asia Wilson, who was the reigning MVP, Liz Cambage, who's an MVP candidate a couple of years ago when she was with Dallas. There are other great players on this team. I don't think Chelsea Gray is necessarily the quote-unquote best player, per se, but I don't really think anybody on the Aces cares about that, and that's what makes this a unique situation, a unique setup. Asia Wilson is one of the most unselfish players in the league. She's going to do what she does, but whether or not she scores 20 or whether or not she scores five, like she cares about winning, and that's that style – the being that kind of teammate rubs off on everybody else, and I think Chelsea Gray's the same way. I think we, we've seen a we've seen Liz Cambage really buy into her role on both ends, knowing that she's not going to get the ball every time the way she did in Dallas. It doesn't seem to be affecting her. Doesn't seem to be bothering her the way maybe it would have in the past. So this is a really really unselfish team, and I think that's one of one of the the, the strong suits. Of this group, and I think Chelsea Gray is definitely a part of that with the way she plays, with her selfless style, with her leadership, with her experience, her moxie, her savvy. She has helped make everybody else better, and uh, and as a result, you have six players averaging double figures. I mean, everybody's touching the ball, everybody's eating, everybody's having their games when they're getting their 25 to 30 points, and, and, and that's what makes this team so dangerous is on any given night – you don't know who who might go off, and uh, and with Chelsea Gray pulling pulling the strings, calling the shots, she's going to make sure everybody eats when they need to. So I know we've had you here for a long time already, my man. We appreciate you, but we got a couple more, and then we'll be good, and we'll let you get yep. some rest because I know you got you probably got a lot going on. You probably got to be back doing camps and doing all that, writing papers. I know you're a busy person, so I'm gonna put you on the spot though, because then if and when it does happen, we can play this back. Final thought on the Aces: Do they win the WNBA title this year? In your opinion? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Um, I think you look at their front line, right? We've already talked about it. They they can bang with you. They can downsize and play fast and play spread, pick and roll basketball. They are experienced. They 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 can defend at a very 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 high level, and they're still finding ways to get better. Uh, I, I think you look at every team in this league. They present trouble. They present matchup problems. Who who has the personnel to deal with that front line? Who has the personnel to deal with that speed in, in transition over the course of a game, over the course of a, a, a series? Who has that kind of depth? Uh, you have two legitimate six Woman of the Year candidates in Kelsey Plum and De'Erica Hamby, who's won the award the last two years. So you take Asia Wilson off the floor. You take Liz Cambage off the floor. You take Chelsea Gray off the floor. There's not much drop-off. There, there's still – you always are going to have scoring. You're always going to have defensive playmaking. You're always going to have somebody that can put the ball in the basket and make something happen when, when things get tight and when things break down. And with that in mind, seeing how they've matched up against Seattle this year, seeing how they've matched up against Connecticut this year, uh, even though Connecticut's got the better of them in those two matchups – I, I like how this Aces team is going to match up in the different styles that they can play in, in a playoff series, in multiple playoff series. I think they have the, the personnel for it. 
They have the experience and they're developing the chemistry and cohesion. You take a look at where they're at now compared to where they were early in the season where they were winning mostly off talent. They're winning uh, they're, they're, they're winning in adverse situations. They're winning by closing teams out, by putting teams away in the fourth quarter like they did last night. They're winning when games are tight and, and they, it comes down to a final shot situation. They, they have shown me that they can win in a number of ways. Uh, they can they can they can outscore you. They can shut you down. They can play through the post. They can play through the guards. There's nothing this team can't do. It's just about continuing to get reps, developing that continuity, and figuring out how how exactly they want to play each opponent. I think we're going to know more when we see how the matchups shake out. But yes, I believe this is a championship team, and I believe this is year the Aces win the championship and get it done. There we go. And we got to record it, so we're going to go ahead and make sure we cut that piece and save it for when <laughs> they do win. But Rob. Good stuff. I know you like it when we get guests that know what they're talking about. We can leave Sam on here and just let him keep going. He could just replace me. Ain't no replacing you, Rob. Ain't yeah. no replacing you. But Sam, final thought here, man, real quick before we let you go. Are you going to be at the fight this Saturday? I will. I will. Perfect. I'm telling you, Jose, I was down there at the press conference today. Um, my colleague Jonah Dillon Man, was Manny out there. Manny Pacquiao versus your Denny's, by the way, for people that don't know what fight we're talking about. Go ahead, Sam. I'll bet. It it feels we've had fights in Vegas. We've had fights. And of course, the pandemic shut a lot of stuff down. We know that we understand that. And there's been great fights. Top rank, top rank put together several phenomenal cards at the Virgin Hotels in June. We, we had Devin Haney at Mandalay Bay. But this is Manny Pacquiao we're talking about. Yep. This is the eighth division world champion. The, the man who, who won tight, who started his career as a flyweight and went up to 154 and beat Antonio Margarito. The man who's been beating people down since 1995 since i was a toddler that's how long he's been in this game he is an absolute legend and his presence here makes this feel like a big fight week and, and i'm already you can feel the excitement down down at at mgm grand garden today during the press conference being in the media room it just has a different feel to it now we understand we know it's not quite the same magnitude as it would have been if it was against an earl spence jr who is a consensus top five pound profile fighter in his prime the unified welterweight champion but this is still a big fight. Jordanis Ugas is a champion. He has been in the ring with some champions. He does. Uh, he did go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Sean Porter in a fight that a lot of people say he should have won. And I expect him to challenge the Filipino fighting senator this weekend. But I don't think he's going to get it done. I'm going with Manny Pacquiao uh, in this matchup. Had a chance to check out his training camp in L.A., spend some time with him and Freddie Roach, and he's sharp. He is fast. Those feet are as fast as ever. Those hands are still fast. And he's still punching with power. So uh, I will be there. I think it's, it's still going to be a compelling matchup. Your Dennis Ugas likes to get in the center of the ring. He's not afraid to mix it up. And even though, uh, you know, even though I, I think Manny Pacquiao has the edge in this matchup, you never know, right? All it takes is you get caught with one, as we saw happen to Pacquiao against uh, Marquez, Marquez in yeah. their final fight. That's all that has to happen. And your Dennis Ugas is definitely capable of that. He's going to go in there ready to mix it up. And I think we're going to see a fun fight. It might be Manny Pacquiao's last fight. He, he He's hinted at that. We don't know for sure. But with that at stake, there is definitely a big fight week feel to this. Um, I'm so happy that it's happening in Las Vegas. I will definitely be there Saturday night. Um, and you can follow all our stuff on, on ReviewJournal.com. For all you betters out there, if you are watching the fight, Sam said it. This could be his last fight. So if it's his last fight, are you going to take minus 370 on Manny Pacquiao? Probably not. High number. But here's a number that I like. Under 10 and a half rounds, plus 220. I don't think it goes past 10 and a half. I can honestly see this. Like you said, if Pacquiao gets surprised, your Dennis could catch him. Maybe Pacquiao still got it. He comes in with the knockout. You never know what can happen. But in general, it doesn't matter who wins this fight if you're betting. I like the plus 220 on the under 10 and a half. But Sam, we appreciate your time tonight, my man. We appreciate you and all of your knowledge and everything that you bring to the table all the time, my man. Let everybody know out there 
where they can find you on all things social media, especially the Review Journal. First off, fellas, appreciate you guys having me. It's always fun to hang out with you guys uh, on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm at by Sam Gordon on Twitter, and you can follow my work and the work of our great staff at ReviewJournal.com and then VegasNation.com specifically for our Raiders coverage. Um, yeah, a lot, lot going on in Vegas. It is a fun time to be here. A lot of sports happening. A lot going Ra Raiders, UNLV, boxing, aces. Everything is happening right now, and I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about it. There we go. Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. Good friend of mine. We appreciate you, my man. Have yourself a good night. Don't work too hard. I'll definitely be reading your stuff, and we'll be seeing you out there soon. Appreciate you. Thanks, Sam. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me. Talk soon. Take care, brother. Good stuff, man. I know, As always. I, 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 know, I know Rob's happy because, like, like Rob said, when he doesn't have to talk too much, it's all good. No, it's just, <laughs> Sam is, I mean, just so much insight, right? That knowledge. I mean, that we don't really get to see or that, you know, a lot of people don't get to see. And, um, I mean, just the passion that both of you have for the aces overall. Right. I mean, I know that I know they're the home team. I mean, I know you're supposed to, you know, but, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of WNBA teams in their hometown get overlooked yeah. And, oh, don't, yeah. and don't get as much attention as they do on some shows, but you, we, you know, we talk about them all, or at least you bring them up and we talk about them as much as we can. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're He says they're going to win the finals. Right. <laughs> so check this out. Another guy that's boxing on the undercard of the Pacquiao fight. Remember Victor Ortiz? Yeah, so it's Victor Ortiz and Robert the Guerrero. Ghost, the Ghost so check or... this out. Two guys that both <laughs> lost to Mayweather, right? Yeah. Uh, one of them, which I think Victor Ortiz could have probably had a better chance if it wasn't for all the headbutt and all the stuff that happened. Because mm -hmm. he was he was hitting Mayweather, even though it was only two, three rounds. But is this dude running out of money? Because he stopped boxing because he started making movies. Remember, he was on The Expendables and he did a bunch of other projects. The go the Ghost of Victor Ortiz. No, no, Victor Ortiz. Victor Ortiz, right. Okay. He, was, he stopped boxing for a while. Is is it that the money's gone now or, or the opportunities to make movies are gone and he's like, I got to get back in the ring? Because we know the Ghost hasn't stopped. He probably had a hiatus, but he hasn't done anything else. He's a boxer. You know what I mean? But is this more of uh, these guys just trying to continue and hopefully get another a, a prize fight to get some more money? Or is this just the last end of the road and they couldn't find anybody else to be the undercard? I think they're two big names. I mean, they're, they're people know that you know boxing fans know those two names, and to put them in the you know put them on the undercard. I mean, most of the time we're begging you know for a good undercard, uh, especially nowadays um, in boxing specifically compared to what the UFC you know compared to what the UFC's putting on. So um, I, I think it's 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 an intriguing fight. Uh, will it be the best fight? I don't think so. In both you know where they at or, uh, where both of them are at in, in their careers, um, but it, it it is definitely one that I want to watch uh, for sure. And then, you know, obviously, I didn't get to say my two cents on the Pacquiao uh, before Sam Go left. Go for but it. Let me know. Yeah. No, I mean, it just don't sleep. On, I mean, I know, would you say Pacquiao's like minus 370, right? Uh, I thought he'd be a little bit bigger of a favorite than that. Really? You thought he'd be bigger than that? Well, because, I mean, because of the substitution of bringing another guy. Exactly. And then obviously that, you know, that fighter's not young either. That fighter, you know, U U how do you say his last name? Uga? Uga? Ugas? Ugas? Was, He's yeah. 35, right? Um, but don't sleep on him. The reason I say that is because three of his four losses have been by split decision. Ugas? Okay. Yeah. So three, I mean, including the one that we talked about against uh, Sean Porter, uh, okay. who a lot of people, like Sam said, that they think that he won that fight. But I mean, those are some close losses. You know, usually, you know, you see, you know, unanimous decisions or you know, knockouts. But they've three of the four have been by split decisions. So at least one of the judges thought that he won. You know, most of those fights. So uh, it is going to be interesting. Uh, it sucks to not see Earl Spence because he is one of my favorites uh, to watch. I think he's, you know, one of the best pound for pound fighters right now. And uh, I was really looking forward to see him to see him fight, but you know we'll just have to wait for it. Is it Pacquiao's last fight? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't so. see him stopping, bro. I don't see a gambling man stop, right? I mean, <laughs> right, like yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, Pacquiao likes to gamble, you know. 
and he likes to gamble big. So um, I, I I see, you know, I, I don't see him, st- you know, stopping for a while, even if it's just like an, you know, because now that those gate, now that that avenue is opened up for exhibition fights, right? It's oh, not just yes. Now that now that it's you know now that people are starting to do that, it, it just kind of opens up a brand new avenue for you know fighters after they have kind chasing of chasing the bag, right? That's exactly, it. chase the bag, chase the bag. You know, put some put some you know people in the seats. And then also about those pay-per-view buys, right? Yeah. And um, they keep talking about him and Mayweather going at it again. Uh, I, you know, I would like to see that one. I would like to see, you know, I would, I would watch that one. I know, you know, the first one was a little skewed with, you know, Pacquiao having a with a shoulder injury that yeah. wasn't, you know, wasn't told until after the fact. Uh, but I would like to see that one. I think they're both in almost to the same point in their career. I still think Mayweather would beat them, uh, but I think it would it would be you know if both of them go into that bout he- healthy, I think it would be a, a little bit better of a product than what they first put uh, during the first fight. So, so real quick too, the week after the twenty eighth, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, we were mentioning this before you got here, talking about it. I think this is going to be the first real fighter. I'm not talking about boxer, just fighter in general that. Jake's fighting. I don't know if you've been watching any of these training. If you haven't, I, I highly recommend that you do. Tyron Woodley looks ready. I can I can honestly see Jake Paul losing this fight. If I'm being honest, and, and I got nothing against Jake Paul. He's making his money. He's smart. He's using his mouth. He knows how to do it. He's putting things out there, right? You got to throw it out there to make it happen. So I'm not hating on the guy. But if we're talking about fighting skill and style, I can honestly see Woodley winning this fight unless his head's not totally in it because he lets Jake get into it. But I, I think we're gonna see it happen, bro. I mean, what, are you gonna watch the fight? Fill me, fill me in here because I, I don't. Which who is Jake Paul? Fought? Jake Paul has fought, fought um, Nate Robinson. Oh, uh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, if he's it. that, if he's that, if he's if he's the one that has fought, you know, those. I mean. At the same time, I know uh, Woodley is a UFC fighter, right? But he's still a professional athlete. And even in his, you know, even in his Woodley, lo- Ben Askren. Who was the third one, Quan? Well, no, he hasn't fought Woodley. Right? He, no, no, no. He, he, fought, he, he fought Nate Robinson. Right. Ask- he beat him. Ben Askren. And he fought one guy before Ben Askren. I, I think I think I'm I think I'm right. Yeah, I, I think you're, yeah, was. I think he fought one more. But I, it's, at the end of the day, Woodley. I mean, I know he may be out of his UFC prime, but I mean, he's still an athlete. He still comes in ready. I mean, like you say, you're watching these videos and he looks ready. I mean, he's ripped. You know, yeah, like he's, he, throwing punches. he's naturally ripped. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's it's uh it's it's easy. It's, I don't want to say easy, but it's it, it's the the relationship. You know, the the moving over to boxing is is not as hard as most people would probably think for a UFC fighter. It's just stand up versus you know having the ability to go to the ground. Uh, and I I feel like th- this this av- this area that these these Paul brothers are trying to go down I mean I think it's going to catch up with them I know one of them was just in the in the ring with Floyd Mayweather yeah, right I saw that, yeah. but I, I I don't you know eventually they're going to run into that wall right where it's just like this has gone too far Sorry. um yeah exactly like uh Come maybe may yeah, I go back to what you were probably previously <laughs> doing uh, but too. I would not bet on him to beat Ty, uh Woodley because I what I looked at it before the show started Woodley was plus 170 uh, I like those odds. I mean, getting it, you know, getting them for whether what at that odds, I, I would like the plus one seventy. I think he's a little overrated. I think he's a little overhyped as well uh, when it comes to the odds that they're putting. That you can actually bet on the fight, right? So 
Uh, I, I like Woodley plus the 170. Um, there you and, go. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I You always want to take the money, right? But to lay that amount, to lay the 160 or whatever he is. I'm good. Uh, give me the plus I'm money. Good. Right. Give me the plus money with a professional athlete. Exactly. A professional athlete that's been in the game, uh, is making a little bit of transition to the boxing game. But, but he I, knows the, how to strike. But the, at the end of the day, give me, I mean, Woodley in his, you know, in his UFC prime was, you know, he was, he was, he was, <laughs> he was a beast. So, I, you know, give me him plus 170. I'll take that. So we run out of time pretty much here. I'm going to ask you one more thing and just tell me if it was expected. But real quick, shout out to Victor, your compadre as well. Oh, it was in. his birthday. He's tuning oh, in yeah, on yeah. Facebook. Happy birthday to you, obviously. And not only that, he says, and this is going back to Manny Pacquiao, he will be running for president in the Philippines next year. So if he wins, it probably is his last fight. So yet to be seen. Now, before we get going here, Rob, real quick, Tim Tebow got cut. I'm not surprised. Are you? And now quick some people say it's privilege that he got it no it has nothing to do with his skin it's urban meyer that's why he got that opportunity to get that with that being said are you surprised that he got cut i'm not surprised and i'm 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 happy that the jaguars uh took the professional approach instead of because they could have easily just kept them on the on the squad try to sell tickets right for at least at least for the preseason right to get people there i know people are begging to watch football you know begging to get back in the stadium in the seats but I, I think they, you know, I, I applaud them for taking the, the professional route on it. You know, it didn't work out. They cut them. Uh, and now they can kind of take a lot of distraction away from the team and let those players, you know, uh, you know, actually, you know, worry practice, about playing, worry about playing and focus instead of no you media, know, having, no camera. Instead they're going to ha- be there. They're going to yeah. have media. But I mean, imagine how much media was there just be specifically because of Tim Tebow. Right. So. And I agree with you, Goose. Goose Thomas, let the ball bounce tuning in here on Facebook, letting us know he should have never been on the field. Urban Meyer is the only reason he was out there. I agree with you, man. But show's come to an end. We appreciate our guest, Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review Journal, joining us tonight here on Straight Bet Sports on the Gorilla Cross Radio Network. If you caught the show late or you missed any part of it, don't worry about it. Go to YouTube, Straight Bet Sports. If not, Gorilla Cross or GorillaCross.com. Facebook, Twitter, you can find it all there. If you're just an audio person, like I said, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all of that. We're everywhere, baby. If you want to listen to us, trust me, you can find an avenue. Not a problem. Big shout out to everybody that tuned in on Facebook. Goose, Vic, um, Frank. Remember Frank Greco? Oh, he's on. Frank was on there joining us as well. Franklin. Chopping it up, you know, talking about stuff on there. He said he's going to the games. He's fully vaccinated. Melissa Ferris. I got Mo tickets. of Girl Chat Sports. We greatly appreciate you guys. And Primo Eddie. He tuned in quickly, but he had to get out. He's at the Dodger game. Nice. They were giving out the replica rings. He said he's going to try to give me one. They're up 9 nothing. We'll see if that happens. I just want the ring, baby. Give me the ring. And that's it. I know Rob's probably going to want to take it from me because he's the true Dodger fan here. But it's all good. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight on Straight Bet Sports here live on the Gorilla Cross Radio Network. Anything else you got to say, Rob? Any final words? Anything you want to let the people know out there before we get going? No, not like Quan said. Not a damn thing. No, I'm just playing. No. Just, uh, Appreciate you. you tuning in. Sam was a great guest, of course. I'd love to have him on, you know, all the time. All the time. Football's coming up. We got to get Dwayne on the show. So that's right? the thing. We're doing our, we're doing our, we got to do the NFL preview show. Now, yeah. I want to talk about totals. I told you we didn't get into it tonight. We didn't get into today. But, but we'll probably do that next week. We already talked to Dwayne. We've already chopped it up with him. He's, he's down to come on the show. So we got to get that set up, man. But definitely appreciate each and every one of you again, Quan, for not running the show tonight. We still appreciate you because you let me do it. A little bit of a bumpy road in the beginning there, but hey. You got to learn somehow. You got to get your feet wet. So we appreciate you. We appreciate everyone watching. Thank you guys so much. Till then, we'll see you next week here on Gorilla Cross Radio Network. For Jose V, Rob G, Quan 59, Sam Gordon, we are out. Peace. See you.
Oh, 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 oh.